This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Warning! The following podcast contains adult language, adult content, weird and unusual stories that all happen to be true. We didn't start this war on safety, but we're going to fight that safety war and we're going to win it. We're going to try something new this week. Safety in the news. Today on Safety Wars. This past week, I did something I normally don't do. I worked from home one afternoon. And while another family member, not my wife, was listening to the TV, I overheard something that piqued my interest. An interview conducted by uh, GMA3, I guess that's a Good Morning America in the afternoon, it was an interview of Dr. Arjun, and I'm going to destroy this, Venkatesh. He recently published an article with several other academics on COVID-19 vaccine acceptance and access among Black and Latinx communities. The article, I looked up the article, very, very interesting read on everything. But one of the takeaways, or two of the takeaways, were that there were basically, by the Black and Latinx communities, they had an extreme mistrust by medical authorities on the vaccination. And they and he recommended, uh, well, I should say the authors and him recommended, that they had to have some type of trust developed, if not with the medical people, but the people in the community, and to get accurate vaccination information. I'm not advocating vaccinations or no vaccinations. What I'm advocating is that people go and do their own research, with their own medical provider and to get a valid medical opinion on what kind of medical treatment they should have. And that's uh, been my thing, do what's right for you with, you know, in conjunction with your doctor and everything else. So people don't trust the messenger. Back to our mega rant from last week. This is basically what I was saying. Rather than go and trust the medical authorities and listen to medical authorities, which are very good at doing their medical things, maybe we have to go outside their wheelhouse to the people who are experts in safety and respiratory protection to go and get information on respiratory protection, biological protection. We've been doing this for over 70 years now. I think we might have some input on this. And maybe we can find somebody with some charisma and who is able to communicate and maybe we get better compliance, better understanding of what's going on and we get through whatever it is we're going through now, whether it's a pandemic, if you want to call it that, or epidemic or outbreak, what have you. And that was my point. So I realized I covered some of this material before and I, I'm thinking, where did I see this before? And I started thinking, oh, I think it was in graduate school. So I looked up my uh, master's project in graduate school from 2003, and I came across something. It's called the Knowledge Ignorance Paradox. It was information from the author uh, Sheldon Unger. I don't know what he's doing nowadays, but I read his book uh, back then, some of his material, and he talked about the Knowledge Ignorance Paradox. And what's what does that mean? We've all heard of it. Maybe we haven't heard of the label. People cannot keep up with scientific research because the growth in scientific knowledge prohibits people from knowing everything. So the more we learn, the more ignorant we become is basically it. And 
There's no real motivation for people to learn anything after they get out of school unless it's part of their career, part of their training, part of their job. They can translate it into money, opportunity, utility of some sort. Really not a lot of uh, motivation out there. So where do people get their science information? Right. Well, this is a dated piece that I wrote, right? Generally, the public gets their science information from someone else's opinion and the media. Television, newspaper, popular magazines, radio, or the internet. I mentioned the internet then. It was in its infancy, but I would include social media today and all its forms and social influencers. And I think that's very obvious here with the whole COVID situation. We had people coming up with stuff from know their cousin and such and such a place and wherever who never left the farm and we're getting advice on COVID for that because they might have some experience and you really have to figure out who your leaders are going to be why they're your leaders and maybe becoming a leader yourself so why do people go after scientific knowledge personal motivations could be an Religious reasons, survival, peer pressure, in this case, a pandemic, right? Sheer fascination with knowledge. That's my, that's, I'm guilty of that. I love knowledge. Anyone will tell you that. Good citizenship behavior. Number three, citizens of democracies are supposed to be informed so they can make intelligent inputs, mainly through the ballot box, public discourse, uh, public input at meetings, or anything like that. And the last one is social utility of knowledge or information. In other words, I meant you want to be the go-to person in your group, whoever that is. You have a group of friends, family, you want to be the go-to person. So this is why people pursue knowledge is because of all of this stuff. And which means we don't have time with the knowledge incident, uh, knowledge uh, ignorance paradox. We don't have time to keep up with everything. So we go to leaders. And this is the important part of being a safety leader. You want to be the go-to person. You want to increase your knowledge. You want to be, learn how to become a leader. You That's a skill you have to learn. That's not something you could do right off the bat. And who, who are you trusting? Who is your leader? Why are they, are they your leader? Now let's talk about something else in the news. I think we've all heard of at this time, by this time this uh, podcast is released, about the Alec Baldwin accident on the set of Rust where two people were hurt. One person was killed and another one hurt. Uh, the camera uh, person, the cinematographer or someone like that, I'm not exactly sure what her title is or was because there are varying descriptions in the news media. And before I go on, I wanted to wish my condolences to the family of and I'm going to destroy this, Halnia, Halnia Hutchins. And this whole thing, that's tragedy. She leaves behind a family. And from all uh, accounts, she was a wonderful individual uh, out there. I uh, have some contacts in Hollywood, as you know, and I've heard uh, from them that this was actually one of the nicer people that's, that got killed here. But what can we learn here? This is one of our few times where we could walk through the entire issue attention cycle. This is going to be really heavily reported on. And as a result, I'm reading a report from MSNBC, so I cannot really independently verify any of this information. 
So according to the article I'm reading here, there were leading indicators on a set of rust, right? This was where the, the name of the movie here. And Baldwin's uh, stunt double accidentally fired two rounds Saturday after being told the gun that he or she was using was cold. Lingo for a weapon that doesn't have any ammunition, including blanks. The report goes on to share, and I think they're quoting a crew member who's anonymous at this time, so this may or may not be accurate. There should have been an investigation into what happened, said the crew member. There were no safety meetings. There was no assurance that it would happen again. All they wanted to do was rush, rush, rush. That may or may not be accurate. I have no idea. But this should not be any news to really any safety professional who's done a ton of accident investigations. A common cause of most accidents that I've been involved in have been, and some of them have been fatalities, by the way, have been rushing to get the job done. Either there was an implied deadline that had to be met. They were rushed because they wanted to get out of there for the day. They were rushed because of any number of reasons. So that's sort of like believable to me. But one of the other things here is this. Was there an investigation to what happened in the prior two days? Some type of a learning team of some sort. Rather than accusing, well, this person did this, this person did this, this person did this. Hey, let's find out what happened and learn what happened. Hopefully that's what the investigators are doing. It's trying to learn what happened here. Learn what the standard is for the industry. Maybe there was a situation that was, might have been overlooked here. And the cause of, you know, this was caused by human error. Well, no, no groove, no. All this stuff is human error and it's an intellectually lazy thing to put on anything. No, my people know that when I see human error in an accident report, I go a little bit, I don't want to say berserk, but I go a little bit, no, the old gym of 20 years ago where I was yelling and screaming, I get very annoyed because that's not what we're being paid for. Obviously, there's human errors. Why was there human error? There's apparently a system set up on these jobs to prevent something like this happen, and maybe that system failed somehow where something was overlooked or anything else. But I'm going to tell you this. You had better, something like this happens, a near miss, you had better document it, and you had better make sure that there's paperwork on it. Because if there's not paperwork, text message, uh, safety meeting forms, incident investigation forms, anything like that. Now that there was a fatality, what are they going to look at? Well, where's your safety meeting? What's your safety program? Oh, you're not doing paperwork? Well, guess what? You have a problem here. This is where the younger safety professionals fail often, is that they don't realize, they've never been through this. They don't realize that, hey, we need to have some kind of paperwork here. We need to have our backup. We need to have stuff. Because when the investigators come out, right, after the situation has been managed and the immersion situation has been managed, in this case, people were injured and taken for medical uh, treatment. What's an accident investigator going to ask? I've, this has happened to me. I actually had on one job a dead body. On another job, a guy with a seizure. And what's the first thing that the accident investigators on site or the wannabe accident investigators ask? Well, where's your paperwork? Do you have a JHA? Or JSA, AHA, whatever you call it. Do you have them? Do you have all this paperwork? So if this article is accurate, what we're seeing, there were no safety meetings. 
I don't know if that's true or not, because people often lie uh, about this stuff. I'm not saying this guy lied, but that, that often happens. There was no safety meeting. I wasn't told. X, Y, and Z. And what happens? Oh, well, here's the safety meeting here that you signed, and you're told to wear, for example, a hard hat and safety glasses. We have multiple pictures of you not wearing hard hat or safety glasses, and you had overhead hazards in the area. So why are you telling us that you were never told? Big issue here. So, uh, no, I wanted to mention that uh, for this. You need to have your paperwork and backup and everything else. So this situation is going to be ongoing and everything else for a long time. I hope they get to the bottom of this so this doesn't happen again. And I'm going to make the suggestion, right, that uh, like... One thing that they did absolutely correct on this set was that they're offering counseling to everybody involved. Everybody involved in this situation, even in a tangential way, uh, on this. And that's something that you really need to set up ahead of time. I know uh, during one of my, uh, in the recovery period that we had during one of uh, a fatality event that I was involved in, we had a meeting of, of all places at a church because I was really the only meeting location that was appropriate and could hold several hundred people uh, in a in the meeting. And what I did was they had a counseling uh, uh, service associated with the church, and I asked the person to come in and he had extensive experience in disaster uh, counseling uh, to come in and talk to the people. And what was the message? Hey, can we? help you in any way you know you don't have to we're not affiliated with the church but guess what there are services out there some free some not where we can sit down for some counseling for the situation if you're feeling anything and that's something you need to realize and then going onward right what we learn in disaster uh, worker training is that at milestones after this event uh, an event like this or any event you may have to go in and do counseling all over again. For example, a year after the uh, tragedy. Seems to be the magic number from what I've read is five years. Five years after a situation, you have to go in for tragedy, uh, for uh, counseling because of the tragedy. Same thing going outward, uh, 10 years. There may be some need for counseling 10 years afterwards because it's a milestone after a major holiday. So for example, you're missing a loved one, you have to worry about religious holidays, Thanksgiving, uh, anything like that, birthdays, anniversaries, all that stuff afterwards. You may need counseling. So uh, if you believe in prayer, please pray for everybody involved here, whether you like them or not uh, with this. Alec Baldwin could be a little bit controversial sometimes, but he needs our support and our prayers right now, in my opinion at least, uh, to go and you know, get over this. And let's pray that we could learn something from this. Let's try to learn something from this tragedy. And that's all I got for today. For Safety Wars, this is Jim Polzel. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. 
No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.